We've talked a lot about the horror Hamas inflicted on Israel on October 7th. But nearly three months later, we are still learning new details about the attack itself and what happened to those taken hostage. And you can imagine why it's taken so long. Kidnapping and captivity are not moments you'd probably want to relive anytime soon. But some of these former hostages have come forward to tell their stories. They say they need to be heard because there are over a hundred others who are still being held hostage inside Gaza. And this week, one of those who did make it out spoke exclusively to CNN. What won't leave my mind is when I asked her what was the most horrifying, the scariest part of their ordeal they were there, remember, for nearly 50 days. And she said it was actually the day that they were, were let go. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Ryan. Daron Katz-Asher spent nearly 50 days in captivity inside Gaza. And more than a month after being released during the temporary truce between Hamas and Israel, she gave her first interview to CNN senior global affairs analyst Biana Golodriga. Daron? Hi. We've been waiting for this day. You're home. Biana told me about it from Tel Aviv on Thursday night. Daron is a remarkably resilient young mother of two little girls who was spending the weekend visiting her mother and her mother's partner, who they had the girls and both Daron viewed as a a father-type figure and a grandfather, Gadi Moses. And her brother, Daron's brother, lived on the kibbutz. It was a kibbutz where Daron was born. It was where she grew up. She actually lives a bit north of Tel Aviv, but she was relieving her husband for the weekend, uh, letting him get some downtime, as they said they do about once a quarter. And she was spending the weekend with her mother and the two girls in Kibbutz Niros. And then obviously the timing of that weekend, falling October 7th, uh, they witnessed the horrors that unfolded when terrorists invaded the kibbutz, and initially they all went into their safe room. This is a photo from the safe room on October 7th. Wow. Yeah. That was that day? Yes. Daron was in the room with her two girls, uh, Raz and David, and her mother. And Gadi, their um, their grandfather, was with them, and they heard the assailants, the the terrorists, come in. Gadi left the room. He thought that he could approach them and perhaps negotiate uh, with them. He spoke Arabic, so he left the room and said he was willing to give them money or anything they wanted in the house. They never heard from him again. How much time has passed? I think forty minutes. Half an hour, 40 minutes. And it would come to be that those terrorists left with Gadi. And about 40 minutes later, another group of terrorists came in. And it was with that group that the four, the four women, well, the two adult women and the two girls were kidnapped and taken out of their home in the kibbutz and put on a tractor and taken into Gaza. Some fighting ensued, and they witnessed Duron's mother killed before their eyes. 
and the the, the three, Jaron and uh, Raz and Adib, were taken into Gaza. And so what happened once they got there? Well, during the uh, shooting, uh, Doron herself had been shot, uh, had been uh, hurt by shrapnel, and her daughter also ha- had been injured in her leg, uh, Aviv. And they were taken, she said, into a, a home, and they uh, were held in this home for 16 days with a family. Did you know if they were Hamas or she didn't know much about the family. She assumed that the, uh, the man of the house was part of Hamas. He spoke hmm. Hebrew, so that's how they communicated because he had worked at one point in, in Israel, so he knew Hebrew. And she said that uh, his children and even grandchildren were guarding them 24-7. That's so interesting that it it wasn't necessarily a group of, like, masked men with guns watching over them. It was just this this house with these people in it. It was a family. And we're hearing more and more from other hostages who uh, were released and are telling similar stories of being held in a family, being transferred from the initial terrorists who had kidnapped them, brought to homes. Daron was not, and her daughters were not taken in through any of the tunnels, but she said after 16 days, they were taken to a hospital. And she kept on referring to this hospital as a so-called hospital. Why do you keep saying so-called hospital? And I finally asked her why she was calling it a so-called hospital, and she said that a hospital is a place where people seek treatment and get medical attention from professionals, and that's not what was happening here. At this hospital, uh, while they were there, Daron's daughters both were experiencing high fevers and that she'd asked for some medical attention, some medicine. They gave her, I believe, what was it, an aspirin or some sort of pill that she said was not sufficient enough and at one point was holding a screaming baby under cold water. What was your darkest moment there? Um, and what won't leave my mind is when I asked her what was the most horrifying, the scariest part of their ordeal. They were there, remember, for nearly 50 days. And she said it was actually the day that they were let go or freed. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. 
Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're back with Tug of War. I'm speaking with CNN's Bianca Goladriga about her interview with former Hamas hostage Daron Katz-Asher. And before the break, Bianca was describing how the scariest part of Daron's ordeal was actually the day she and her children were freed. Because they weren't told what was happening. They were just grabbed. They were changed into clothes that were not theirs. And for the first time, she said it, it was made to all look like a show, as if they'd been taken proper care of. The girls were given shoes, they were given a dress. The girls, in the meantime, had, had always been barefoot. They had, didn't have much clothes, a T-shirt, she said, in cold November temperatures. But in her view, this was all a show to show the world as they were released that they were taken care of. They were put into a Hamas vehicle and driven through the streets and waiting then for uh, the Red Cross to pick them up. She said they were waiting for a very long time. And when they were in the Red Cross truck going back over the border, she had thousands, thousands of citizens of residents just came out of all ages, elderly, adults, children, and were attacking the car, banging on the car, screaming at the car. I remember those scenes. It seemed so scary. Yeah, screaming at the car. And she said that they, she was so worried that they were going to be lynched. Mm. And that was the first time, imagine this, the first time that these two girls being held in, in captivity without seeing daylight inside a room with strangers, this was the first time one of them had said to her, Mommy, I'm scared. And no one told you where you were going or what was happening? Because they didn't know where they were going, they didn't know what was happening. Um, and it, it came to be, to their great fortune, that they thankfully were released. She said all of the hostages that were with her at the hospital at that time, the so-called hospital, as she calls it, were also part of the group that were released, except for one man. And that was the only man she, she saw there that was left behind. They were in a separate room, but she knew that he wasn't part of the release. Mm. I mean, it's just so hard to imagine going through something like that and then being willing to talk about it like she was to you. I mean, how, how is she now? And has she like fully processed, do you think, what she's been through? She, as I said, is just remarkably resilient. She said she has no more tears to cry. Um, she has to be there for her daughter. She was always there for her daughters all those days. She, she says they were, they were not physically abused, thankfully, while they were in captivity, but there was a lot of psychological warfare going on. Uh, when I asked her what she meant by that, any examples, um, and she was told that, that no one in Israel cares about her, that they no one cares mm. about her release or that she was taken, that the kibbutz was, they'd never returned there. It wasn't theirs to, to, to have. It wasn't their land, that they were, these terrorists were freedom fighters. She said she knew that that wasn't the case, especially that, that no one was fighting for them or, or wanting them to come home or forgot about them. 
I asked her if she was fearful at all during the IDF bombing, you know, and, and worried that, that they would be hurt accidentally, killed right. accidentally as Israel was trying to retrieve them and save them. And she said it was scary to hear the bombing, but in her mind, it was almost reassuring to know that that was the IDF that Israel was coming to try to, to save them. Can you sleep even now? I know you said you slept with one eye open. Yeah. It's stay like that. Each day, it's, it's better. And therapy is helping. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. And as far as what they're going through now, the, the family has been going through counseling, therapy, as one would expect. The girls have developed their own language that they use with each other. I think they, they you know, sisters, they played in that, old, in that world and in, in their own fantasy world as sisters and they had their own language even before October 7th. But I think that really kicked in while they were in captivity. Have you had time to mourn the loss of your mother, of your brother? No, no. Um... And she says they really can't mourn at this point because remember, they've lost a grandmother. She lost her mother. She lost her brother. Her brother uh, was also murdered on October 7th, and she didn't know that. They, they, they still have his body in Gaza. Yet they don't know what the condition of Gadi, the the girl's grandfather, and she's so worried about him because all of these elderly men, all these elderly people that are held there, you know, it's just the most inhumane conditions. They're not getting the medical attention they need. They're not getting their medicine. They're barely given any food. And so there are still 129 hostages that remain in Gaza. Uh, among them is Gadi Moses, is you know, her brother's body. And so for, for her, the reason why it's so important to speak out was for those hostages. That, that, as her husband said, they're much more than just, they're not posters. By the way, you know, you just, you see posters everywhere here in Israel, um, you know, bring them home every corner you turn. And they said it, they're much more than posters. These, these have become family members. And so they're not going to stop until all of them are, are brought home. I'm so thankful and grateful that you agreed to do this. Thank you. Thank you. It's important. Biana, thanks for bringing us uh, Daron's story. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Taylor Galgano and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Liktai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andres, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namoro. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Flora Charner, Elizabeth Joseph, and Katie Hinman. We'll be back on Monday with another update. I'll talk to you then. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 